Hey, good morning. Oh, I was uh, telling Pete, I don't know how many of you um, were here last week and heard Peter's sermon or heard it online or anything like that, just so I kind of have. So I, um, I was uh, on a walk with my wife yesterday afternoon, just before I went to Evergreen to kind of do the message, and we were on a long walk. So I listened to the message, and then I had my wife listen to it, and um, it just really messed me up, just so you know. So it just, <laughs> it, it, it's we isn't this weird how life is, like it both ruined and made the walk. It ruined it because I had to go now do a message in a few minutes that I felt like it kind of was supposed to fit and it was, it was just beautiful. It really was so helpful. Um, so if you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to go back online and get that. It really helps put a lot of little pieces together. And so with that, my hope is that even this morning, I, can, I, I kind of feel like, I wonder if this is like a little tiny slice of application to that idea that um, Peter talked about, and I won't do his message. I'm going to have you do something right now that you're, you, you may not find the most comfortable or you're not going to be maybe real excited about it, but it will be helpful. All right, so these, we're going we're gonna to kind of, we're going to just breathe deep and just lean into the process. And this is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to turn to somebody. If you're in a group already of three, that's okay. You stare at somebody and then two people stare at one person or something like that. But what I'm going to ask you to do, if you can, is to look into somebody's eyes for just 30 seconds. So I'm going to give you just a second. If you want to participate and you need to move to go find somebody, do that real quickly. So let me let you do that. All right. All right. All right. So everybody who wants to has found somebody. All right. Here's all. I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to be quiet. Now let me. I'm going to warn you while we're doing this. 30 seconds is going to feel a little bit more like an hour, okay? But I promise you, it will only be 30 seconds. I want you, as best you can, try to maintain as much eye contact as possible. Ready? Go. Okay, you can stop. Whew. All right. So, tell me. Tell me a word that came to mind as you were uh, experiencing that, as you were looking at your friend or your new friend. What's a... What? Awkward. Awkward. Okay. Self-conscious. What did you see? Fun. What did you see? Tell me what you saw. Not, not what you necessarily were. That was about, you know, awkward. I get that. But what did you see? Kindness. Kindness. Sparkle. Sparkle. Steve. You saw Steve. <laughs> Pretty blue eyes. Love. 
What'd you feel? Weird. <laughs> Good? Happy? All right. I know it, it's, it's hard, but this is going to help us in our conversation this morning. Part B, not as easy, so I'm going to need the ushers to help me. All right? So they're going to, Susan and her crew are going to help me real quickly. This will take just a few minutes. I'm sorry, some of these might be a little damp. I, I have almost enough for everybody, but maybe not quite. But you're going to get a mirror, a little hand mirror. I went to the dollar store and I bought every, I bought a, well, I, I'm not, I didn't buy it for you because I need it in a couple weeks. I'm going to another church if this works. Um, <laughs> if not, I'm out 75 bucks. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, it may be one, one or two, but try to, try to, let's see if we can get, let's see how close we get. So everybody needs a hand mirror. Don't look at it yet. Turn it over. Don't practice. That's all right. We don't believe in bad luck. We do believe in broken mirrors, though. But Yeah, turn it over. Don't look yet. No practicing. No, I don't want you to look yet. So I'm going to give you some instructions. All right. I, have, I don't even remember how many I bought. If you don't have a mirror, raise your hand, maybe. There's a couple there over on this side. Can you share it? Just put it out far enough, maybe both. Okay, all right. We may have enough for everybody. Then if you would, just kind of hang on to it during the service. Um, just, just hang on to it and at the end. Just, just, I don't know, bring them up here, set them someplace. Set them as you're leaving someplace. I'll collect them. But don't worry about it till afterwards. We won't worry about that. If you get bored, do not try to flash it in my eyes. I see that already. <laughs> Every, I, I, my, my, both my degrees are in youth ministry. Just, just so you know, adults, no different. It's, it has served me perfectly fine. There is not this huge difference between youth ministry and adults. All right. All right, so everybody got a mirror? Close enough? All right. Turn it. When I tell you, again, it's going to be just 30 seconds. If you're sharing, put it out so you can both look but not interact. I don't want you to interact with each other. All right. And it's the same instruction. I want, you to, I want you to stare into your own eyes best you can. And I want you to pay attention to what you see and what you feel. All right, 30 seconds, start. Okay, you can stop. Last week, I was in, I was meeting with my therapist, and my therapist had me do this exercise, and I thought, I want everybody to feel this sucky. So, um, <laughs> like, why should I suffer alone? I, I, I know that there's probably a whole range of experiences, and um, 
and some people are coming to an experience like that, and it, it wasn't difficult for you at all, it was, it was no problem. But for those of you who are maybe more, more like me at this stage in our lives, I'm just wondering, what negative words came to mind as you were staring in your mirror? Old. <laughs> Old, yeah. Imperfections. Tired? Anything else? Judgment? Any feelings? Did you experience like I did how difficult that is? Why, why, when I was looking, for some of you, at a stranger? It, it wasn't that hard to, to see beauty or love or kindness or pretty blue eyes. But when I'm looking in my own mirror, I, I don't think, wow, those are nice eyes and it's a kind face. I, I feel, I, I just felt a little uncomfortable. That, that, that little experience this morning is going to help us because, you see, it's going to help us talk about a, a kind of a hard word to talk about. It's hard because, one, it's, it's a tough concept in some ways, but it's also hard because we use the same word in different contexts and with different meanings, and even in the Bible, it seems to show up in weird ways. I, I've bumped into this word since I was a brand new Christian. It, it's popped up over and over and over. In my opinion, when this word shows up in the Bible, most often it is an invitation to life and love. And is in fact, if you read the story long enough, it is a good thing. But on occasion, with sort of the wrong motivation or in the wrong hands, it can be destructive, and can be bad. The word is judging. So what I want us to talk about this morning is, and I'm kind of making this distinction so we can get our heads around it, is, is talking about judging versus judgmentalism. I think judging is good. I think judgmentalism is destructive. So let's look at this passage. This is the one that's most quoted as it relates to this idea. And this is talking about, in my opinion, judgmentalism. And I'm going to read off the screen because I have a slightly different version, I think. So, judge not that you, not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This is Jesus talking, and, and clearly, this is a caustic and dangerous activity. Just I'll insert real quickly my opinion. My opinion is that the one judging 
for the, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And the, I don't believe that's God. I believe that's us. I don't think God's going, well, if you're going to treat him like that, I'm going to treat you like that. That's my opinion. The judgmentalism is rooted in somehow at the cellular level in that experience you had with the mirror, some of you had with the mirror, where your initial response is to see what you believe to be true, but in fact isn't true. Not in the way that you felt it. Not in the way that you felt condemned. Because that's what judgmentalism is all about, is bringing condemnation. And judging is about bringing life. We're going to talk all morning about just all these differences. I want to read for you just really quickly a quote from a pastor. As I was playing around online, this is a quote of a pastor who is talking about this passage. Part of my experience and part of my own, I guess, evolving life is is wanting to become a peacemaker. And a month ago, I shared with you some of those experiences. And part of that is motivated as I see all the, the sort of the reports that come back, the, some pretty good polling data that says that if you were to ask people, describe for me what a Christian is or what a Christian does or something like that, that most often in the top three answers is something about judgmentalism. And I'm not saying they got all their data right, and I'm not saying we deserve it all. But I have to admit, I think we've earned a lot of it. Here's a quote from this pastor. As a longtime pastor and forum contributor here on this website, Time and time again, I have seen unsaved scum waltz into this space and tell us, Jesus said, we shouldn't judge others. And I find that unbelievably ironic. Like, I just can't, like, I can't believe the irony that he's so offended that the scum think he's judgmental. I... All right, here's a couple of verses that talk about judgment in a different way. In fact, inviting us to participate in this judgment. And I, I'm just going to buzz through just a couple. There's lots of them. We could have used others. 1 Corinthians 5.12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? And then here in Galatians 6, 1, it, 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 we, we see, we witness what I think is sort of judgment in action. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, trapped in a sin, that's not caught in a sense, ah, gotcha, but trapped, 
You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted, and carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So I'm going to give you some of my condensed sort of version. This, this could be a long, long list or a long sermon of the contrasts between being judging, which is inviting somebody, I believe, to experience life and judgmentalism, which I believe is condemning somebody and is rooted in my own story and my own bad theology about me. See, I think I have pretty good theology about you. Like, I'm not, I don't feel hypocritical when I talk about God's unbelievable and extravagant love for you. I totally believe that. My struggle is to believe that's true for me. I need to define one word before we start because it's the word that seems to always run alongside this word judgment. And it's the word sin. Sin is, for me, I'm always, I'm sort of always working on my definition. What do I mean by that? What is it? Here's a couple that I've sort of been processing through. One is that, the, this is a little longer one. This is the thing that I do that I think will give me life, but in fact will kill me. The thing that I do, believing it will give me life, but in fact will kill me. What's interesting is knowing that it will, in fact, down the road kill me, does not prevent me from in the moment believing it's going to give me some life. An another definition I have is what I do to make life work without God. I'm always trying to work the system so I don't need God. And then my last one I've discovered is I just think I'm supposed to be God. And I'm a little irritated that I'm not. Your definition, as you work on that definition, is going to need to just at least be recognized as a really important piece to how you view theology, life, God. It will color everything. And I'm not saying that mine's done. You, you may have a better one, but that's where I'm at right now. So I want to talk about the differences for just a moment, and then we're going to do some practicing about judged versus judgmental. Judged people find hope in community, what we would call eternal life. Judged, I'm making up this word, judgmentalized people are never going to come closer to you. Now, I'm not saying it's a perfect system. In other words, there may be times when you're acting out of pure love. You only care about the other person. You only want to invite them you're, as best you can into life. And you're doing that, as Galatians says, with humility and gentleness and knowing that you've got your own story in there, looking to yourself. And I'm not saying it always works. But judgmentalism, 100% of the time, will drive somebody away from you. In fact, that's actually what you want. When you're judging somebody, you're wanting 
to be in community and relationship with them. When you're judgmentalizing somebody, you want them to get the hell away from you. Judging, judgment, is in the light and on the table. Judgment is saying, here is what I see. Here's what I believe to be true. Here's what I think. Judgmentalism is in the dark and behind the back. I believe judgmentalism is a kissing cousin to gossip. See, judging in the way of inviting somebody into life because you love interacts with that person. Judgmentalism almost never interacts with the person, but interacts with everybody but the person. Because again, it's me trying to be God. And it is me believing I have all the information I need. Judgmentalism is not looking for more information. Judgmentalism believes it's got all the information it needs. Judgmentalism is primarily based on my assumptions. And judging is primarily based on me and perhaps another person wanting to find truth, and truth and life are, are inseparable. I'm going to give you some examples and why it's, it's not easy. But it doesn't have to be as hard as we think it is. One, let's take, let's take the word pride. Let me take the word pride. Is pride, as we understand, if you're into the Bible at all, if you were to read it, is pride healthy, good for me? Is it? No, pride is kind of that whole idea of I just want to be God and I want to act like God. Um, but how do you know if somebody is being proud? I would guess, I would guess that almost every time you have made the assumption that somebody is proud, that you probably did not check out the story. You believed that what you saw was all you needed. And I would say that with pride, for instance, you probably don't have all the information you need if you've never had a conversation with that person. That's just my guess. I'll give you an example. Not everybody likes my preaching. Not everybody likes the way I teach. I don't think that's judgmentalism. I think that can be judging in the sense that I just don't like it. I've got some weird things. I, I, I have a different style than Peter. It could be that. That's, that is not a, that's no problem. What I have heard backdoor on people who have left community with me is they don't like my preaching because I'm arrogant. Now, I am arrogant, so it's a little awkward of an illustration. 
And it could be that that's what's coming out, and it could. I'm going to tell you this, not once, and I've been doing this 34 years, has anybody ever checked that story out with me? Take any word you want. And it almost always is going to need a loving conversation. Because you are not God, and therefore you don't know the story behind it. You see, people that judge, people that want to bring life and love into somebody's life, know that, that, that our stories are big and complicated, and there's lots of moving parts. In the little, little faith community that I co-pastor <clears throat> in Broomfield, I often have to check out the story. I have to ask in gentleness, is mental flu contributing? I, I, that's my own little thing. I'm trying to change, personally, this is a little side note, I'm trying to change the stigma of mental illness. It's such a big word and it feels so dividing. I'll give you my theology, I think we're all crazy. It's just, it's just, it's like all of us have a decaying body. All of us have bodies which are breaking down, but they're breaking down at different rates. No two people's body is breaking down and, quote, dying in exactly the same way. But we all accept that. We, we don't make that moral. That's not true with how our minds work. We tend to make judgments about a person's mental capacities. Everybody's brain here is not all that it should be. So everybody's on the continuum of mental illness. But some of my friends at different times based on either meds or life or something, their mental illness becomes acute. And it plays a part in what I think might be sin. But I don't know unless I'm willing to check out, do you have a mental cold right now? Do you have a mental flu? Is there something biochemical going on? Are you struggling with a substance issue? Is that contributing? Some of my friends, because of, for lots of reasons, might struggle with low cognition. Their ability to grasp things is different than other people's ability to grasp. Is that playing a part? What about the trauma they experienced? Oh my gosh. In this room, in this room, there are stories of people's childhood you would not believe. And that's true in my community in spades. Judging is inviting somebody into life and knows that our stories are big. We, we know that it's about motive more than it is about a behavior. I've struggled my whole life with gluttony. Gluttony is a it's one of those words, it's pretty off-putting, it, it, but gluttony is, is when I use food to make life work for me. Gluttony is when I use food so I don't need God. Gluttony is, for me, when I can be autonomous and do whatever I want with food, even though I know that it's 
in fact, not leading to life. It's, it's part of my story as a kid, and, and, and it has, it's rooted in deep stuff. My dad struggled with gluttony. The difference is my dad was well over 400 pounds. All the time I knew him. He died an early death at 66, partly because of his addiction to food. People that would have, in my experience, in our culture, very little problem identifying that my dad's a glutton. Me, my weight swings about 60 pounds every several years, but you don't notice it the way I do that. Never really looks to people around me like 60 pounds. So you may not know that about me. And even the idea that we believe people who we perceive to be, quote, overweight are gluttons is a terrible lie. I asked my doctor about it because my metabolism, because of my issues, is pretty shot. Like, I can gain weight on 1,200, pounds, or 1200 calories. And he said, Carl, I'm going to tell you right now, for many people, calories and weight do not connect. He said, I had a patient who was 600 pounds. I had him on 600 calories a day, and he could not lose any weight. Our bodies are complicated. What you see may not be the whole story because somebody looks to you, and again, I don't know what overweight is. You just think you know what overweight is. It may have nothing to do with gluttony. But let's just continue down that road. Let's say that you're in relationship with me, and you see me, you know, we run into each other at 11, and I'm there with a large McDonald's chocolate shake, and then you see me again at 4.30 with another large McDonald's chocolate shake, and we get together that night for dinner, and you see me just slamming down the cake, and now, let's be honest, how many of you really want to have a conversation with me about that? And here's my challenge. If you love me, you might. Not easy. But it's not as terrifying as you might think. One, just be curious. You may not know everything. Maybe I'm just having a bad day. Or I'm on the, I'm on the fast track to diabetes type two. I don't think you want me to die. I know it feels hard, but, but versus you talking to your friends about all the chocolate milkshakes I'm drinking or having that story in your head, how about if you just talk to me? And it's risky. Love's always risky. But you may save my life. Judging and judgmentalism, they just have different methods and different motivations. One more, let's take a selfish. Selfish is bad, right? We feel like we know it when we see it. I don't know how often you have to experience the I-25 to I-70 interchange. <laughs> the long line of cars. 
and the very wide emergency lane on the right-hand side. And I'd been in that line, suffering like a good soldier, for about 10 minutes, when in the mirror, I see this big truck way down the road, zooming past everybody on the right-hand shoulder. And in that moment, I believed I was God. And I pulled my car over into the emergency lane. And I stopped. Because I know that's selfish. And I am a soldier representing all of the good people in line. And God deputized me to be his agent of charity. Oh, I could take the honking and the bright lights. I'm secure in who I am. My wife, lying on the floorboards, <laughs> sharing stories about road rage. A month, six weeks later, I don't remember. I was on my way to take my son to the airport. It was really important he gets on that airplane. Same interchange. Guess what I did? <laughs> but I'm totally justified. Because this was about my son and I had to get him on that plane. That's judging versus judgmentalism. All right. We're going to practice. I'd like for you to, no more than a group of four, all right? So just kind of get in a little group. I'm going to put a verse on the, on the screen. It's a really somewhat known verse of the Bible. I'll read through it. And then I'm going to give you, we're going to practice what's judging and what is judgmentalism. So, throw the James passage up there. Let me read it for us together. My brothers, and I'm assuming ancestors, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? All right, here's what I want you to do. It's not going to take long. I want you to look only at verse 2. Verse 2, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing comes in, period. Just that verse. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to judge that. Now, remember, judging is what I see. Nothing more than what I see and what I know. No, no, no. And by that, I mean my understanding, quite honestly, as I understand knowing, of the truth of maybe the Bible. All right? That's all. All I want you to do is describe the judgment, which is simply, I have no more information than what I see and what I know to be true. So talk for just a few minutes Make a list. Think about them. What are those things? All right? Go ahead.
Okay, let me pull you back together here. All right, now we're, we're, let, let's deep breath of grace in the room, right? Just breathe in grace. We're all practicing, we're all learning, all right? It's possible you're going to say something, that, and I'm, I may dialogue with you and go, I think you're leaning towards judgmentalism, but it's okay. You're, I'm, I'm not condemning you. We're practicing. This is how we learn. We just got to practice, all right? So, what, what do we know? Just give me kind of one-word answers or very, very, very short sentences. What do we know? What do we see? What do we know to be true? What's a, what's a judgment we could sort of confidently make? Okay, nothing? All right. That's plain and safe, Jerry, but I like that. Okay. That's right. Okay, so here's what Jerry said. Jerry said there may be wealth and there may be poverty. We don't know. I, I, I like that. What else? He has access to resources. Very good. Yep. What else? What else do we know? Is that about it? What do you know theologically? What do you know to be true? Huh? They're both men and they came into the assembly. Is that what you said? Yep, okay, that's true. Their clothes were different. Excellent. Carnal? Okay, maybe. That's maybe on the other side, but we'll, we'll see. What else? God loves them both. You see, judging is a good thing, remember? Judging is about truth and life, and I judge them equally extravagantly loved by God. I judge that. I'm all over it. Whenever I think about Peter, I always think, this isn't Peter, this is me. This is my interpretation of Peter's theology. God judges the hell out of people. It's a good thing. Not much there was there, really. There's not that much. This will be more fun. <laughs> now, we will channel our inner judgmentalism. What, what is some judgmentalism that you see occurring in verse 3? I'll read it for you. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Okay, so what is some judgmentalism we see happening? And we're reading between the lines some, that's okay. What is some judgmentalism we see happening in that verse? Go ahead and talk for just a few minutes. All right. 
All right, let me see if, I, if I've got some of what you probably talked about. Judgmentalism. In simplistic terms, rich people are better than, people dressed rich are better than poor. This guy is rich, this guy is poor. This guy could maybe do something for me, this guy can do nothing for me. The world is built on a hierarchy. And rich people with nice stuff are up here. Poor people without stuff are down here. I want something from him, and I don't want anything from him. Remember, here's one of the tests of judgmentalism versus judging. Judgmentalism is something, quite honestly, you would very rarely want to be saying out loud. So let's say we're in church here today, and here comes somebody dressed in some royal robe, and here comes somebody clearly, clearly struggling with hygiene and not changing and same set of clothes for three months. And we would not go, you with the nice robe, please. We are in the midst of a building campaign, and we need you. <laughs> if you come sit here in the front and like this seat, maybe you'll like us, and if you like us, then maybe you'll give us money. You, not so much. <laughs> you, with, with the beautiful clothes and, the, and, the, and the, the, the appearance of wealth, I like that. And I want to feel important about me. I'm going to sit by you. And then when people see me sitting by you, they'll think I'm kind of important because I know you. You, not so much. Have you ever noticed what happens? I've been struck by this when I, from my earliest experience as a Christian, when a, quote, celebrity becomes a Christian. Like, it's insane, all the, the ruckus about that. Now, I'm, I understand, I'm excited, and it's great, but I always think, what's it like to be really famous and try to go to church? The one place in the world, see, the, the church, well, we, you know, church, is the one place that's supposed to look nothing like everything else. Like, this is supposed to be the weirdest experience all of us ever have. Everything's upside down. Nothing makes sense in here. But when a famous person comes in, it all makes sense. Okay. Judgmentalism and judging. Have we ever seen a scene like James describes? Sure. We've seen it over and over. And remember when God talks about our sin? It's for us, not for him. He's wanting to rescue us. So when he says, have you not become judges with evil thoughts? He knows and has compassion on the trap we're trapping ourselves in. And he just has a better way. My wife and I like to walk. I told you we were on this walk yesterday. And I've had kind of a rough week. Um, we've been sort of having this little low-level conflict, and it's mostly her fault. <laughs> and um, my wife is, is very athletic. Um, and in, in she naturally is better at some athletic things than I am. And... Um, we like to water ski. She's a better water skier. But when we walk, we will 
go on these nice long, long walks. But when we come to a hill, often April will even sometimes say to me, hey, honey, I, I wanna, I'm kind of wanting to push myself a little bit. How about if I go up the hill? I'm, I'm going to just go real fast. I just want you to know I'm not, you know. And she says, is that okay? And I always say, yes. Yeah, that's fine. I, of course, I'm resenting her because I'm not going to tell her the truth, which is, <laughs> no, I don't want you to do that because it makes me look, I feel stupid when you do. All right? And so she does. And then, so during the week, what I, what I experienced was I kind of felt myself sort of, and this is what I do, I start shutting down. You know, like I just get a little incrementally more isolated from her. I, I can just feel this wall going up. And then and she'll say, hey, honey, is there, is there anything going on? And, and, you know, being the truth teller I am, I always say no. Um, <laughs> but really, I'm secretly hoping she'll guess. And if she really loved me, she would be able to, you know, figure this out. <laughs> and spend all of her time worrying about me shutting down, because I would love for her to take that responsibility. Um, and here's the, here's, now here's the kicker. We were on a walk Friday, and I was telling her about my sermon. I was telling her about the message. Uh, and we just had a little chat about judgmentalism versus judging. And we're talking about that. And, um, and then later, we got into this conversation, and she again goes, Carl, I, what's going on? Something, you're, you, what's going on? And I said, and this is what comes out of my mouth, you're competitive. That's what he said. And she says to me, wow, that sounds kind of judgmental. And I wanted to flip her off. But I, um, <laughs> and so I stewed. I'm not telling you. I responded like, oh, got, got me. No, I didn't, no. But then I'm thinking about it. Did you know that only one person by themselves cannot be competitive? Did you know? Write this down. It takes at least two people to have competitiveness. And in the two of us, want to guess which one of us is really the competitive one? The one who really is worried about who's in front on the walk? Because when I look in the mirror, reality is I'm competitive but I put that on her and I notice it long story short somehow that awkward and ugly conversation ends up leading to intimacy in life judging is about speaking life and truth and love and coming together. Judgmentalism is, I don't want anything to do with you. And get away from me. Now, what about the hat? <laughs> it's, it's just a way to practice. You see, Totally, totally judging is Carl is wearing a really goofy hat. Usually, we don't see people doing that when they come to preach. 
All of that's true. <laughs> Carl needs extra attention. Carl's insecure. Carl thinks he's the king. Whatever else goes with that is a story. And I wanted you to notice, and I may be wrong, but I know it was there, but did you notice how actually pretty soon you could get past it? It wasn't the only thing you saw. Like at the very beginning, it's all you saw, but then as we started having our conversation, you didn't see it anymore. Sometimes that's how this will look. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and, and be automatically not judgmental. But sit with it. See if it'll pass. See if your assumptions and your bias, if you can let it go. And just enter into somebody else's story and be a part. And if not, remember, it's totally okay to come up to me afterwards and go, Carl, what's going on with that? Because I want to be in relationship with you. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that you, you've put me in a family. Because you know that without them, I will always want to isolate and I'll always want to act like I'm God. But we can gently bear each other's burden. We can be together. And Lord, I do want, I want for me, I want to quit living with the condemnation that I give out. I don't want that anymore. I want to be free of that. And I want us as, a, as, as these little pockets of grace and love and truth people to be known for something other than being judgmental, but for being people who are honest and inviting. Help my friends at the sanctuary, help me as we do this life together, become those people. Amen. And Peter's gonna come now and, and give us the best judgment. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. We had lunch this week, and he said, well, would you do uh, communion? And I said, well, sure, I like to do that, and I especially like to do it after that message because, you know, Jesus said a whole bunch of weird stuff about judgment and judging. He said, uh, judge, judge not, lest you not be judged. But that's kind of hard because the judgment, judgment means to make a decision, Right? And then he says, the judgment you pronounce is the judgment you receive. And then a little later on, after saying, judge not lest you not be judged, he says, judge, imperative tense, with just judgment, with the right judgment. And then he says, oh, by the way, the Father judges no one. He's given all judgment to me, and I judge no one. And then a little later on, he says, but I have much to judge. And it's, it's, like, uh, it's like he doesn't judge, but he is somehow the judgment. And then on Palm Sunday, he says this amazing thing. You know, one of my favorite verses, he says, uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be kick kicked out. And, and when I am lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. And then later that week, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. 
take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. You see, he is God's word. He is God's judgment upon this world and God's judgment upon you. And he is the right judgment. And the judgment you pronounce is the judgment you receive. So this is the judgment I want to pronounce. When you come to the table tonight, or to this morning, not tonight, well, this is what's happening. You're looking in a mirror. And the mirror is uh, God's opinion of you, his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. Well, that does judge the hell out of you, doesn't it? It exposes what's dark and exposes his mercy and what's right, and that is you are his child. And so as you come to this table, you receive God's judgment. And as you leave this table, you actually become God's righteous judgment in this world when you love other people. That's that final judgment we talked about last week at the end of the parable. And so uh, may this be the judgment you pronounce, and may this be the judgment you receive, the love of God the Father for you. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel and live the gospel. Amen? Dark cups are wine. Light cups are juice. We invite you to come forward, tear off a piece of the bread, and dip it in the cup and partake.